0: Light of Infinite This week is the famous story of Noach and the Flood. The entire generation had fallen to the Sitrachra, the other side, and Hashem calls Noach righteous and perfect. Noach built an ark, and then rain fell for 40 days. Hundreds of days later, after a dove was sent out and returned with an olive branch in its mouth, Noach knew redemption had come, and it was time to fully move forward. The story represents something that everyone faces at one point or another in their lives. Becoming the hero of our own story, building an ark, and filling ourselves up with the hope of redemption. It's up to each of us to strengthen ourselves continuously to do so. This is the description of Noach from the Torah. Noach was a righteous man, perfect in his generation. Noach walked with God. Noach begot three sons, Shem, Cham, and Japheth. Rashi explains the first verse of this The Mentioning Noach's righteousness at this point is to teach That the main offspring of the righteous are good deeds. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein expounds on this in a beautiful way, suggesting that while Rashi's comment holds water, perhaps the Torah is coming to teach us that we should perform good deeds with the same love a parent has for their children, the sort of love that causes them to desire to help them and not just because they may be compelled to do so. Perhaps we should learn that just as a parent loves their children, even when they fall short of expectations, a person should love the good deeds they have done and not regret what they should have done more. Yet, Feinstein goes on to suggest that we should examine every good deed we have done for imperfections that need improvement, just as a parent scrutinizes their children for any failings that may require correction. And just as a parent works to ensure that their children lack nothing that they may need to become the best that they can, we should do the same with our good deeds, improving them so as to come to a place where we are performing them in the best way possible. Jumping back into the first verse in regards to Noah, when it says in his generation, some rabbis say that while Noah was righteous in his generation, had he been in the generation of Avraham, he wouldn't be considered so. However, most see this as praise, arguing that in a generation of righteous people, Noah would have been even more righteous. The Khatam Sofer points out that the three characteristics used to define Noah, a man, Ish, righteous, tzaddik, and perfect, Tamim, are referring to a particular time phase in his life. Prior to the flood, when the world was filled with strife, Noach was a man of peace, Ish, while confined to the ark. Noach acted righteously, tzaddik, by not complaining about his difficult surroundings and by not acting with any sexual immorality or spilling seed. And lastly, during the time when the builders of the Tower of Babel challenged Hashem, Noach remained faithful and loyal, Tamim. Even his one flaw of not praying for those outside of his family could be justified. As Rabbeinu Bachia points out, how futile it would have been for such an extremely wicked generation. In the generation since, wrongdoing has been a conscious choice, at least on some level. But in that generation, which was so far gone and steeped in evil, the concept of right and wrong had been completely nullified, and the possibility of tshuva of return was not even in the cards. And so only Noach, his wife, three sons, Shem, and Yafet, as well as his three daughters-in-law, were to be saved, as they were the only hope left. It says in Talmud Sanhedrin, the world was created just for me. And Rambam teaches that we are to see every one of our actions as impacting ourselves, our communities and the world at large. We see this clearly with Noah. Had he not been righteous, we would have no world at all. It was his very actions and those of his family and how he chose despite everyone else in his generation to walk with God, it saved creation as a whole. The Torah says that Noach walked with God while Avram walked before God. In his generation, Noach walked with God because he needed the support of his strength. But in regards to Avram, Rashi explains that he would strengthen himself and walk in righteousness on his own. But Ramban points out that scripture describes Noach as being guiltless and perfect in his righteousness, in order to inform us that he was worthy of being saved from the flood without any punishment whatsoever, since he was wholehearted in his righteousness. Rabnaton of Breslav teaches that Noach symbolizes peace, as his name shares the same root as Nach, rest. Elohim, the holy name of Hashem, refers to Deen, judgment. Noach and his name represent the perfect tzaddik in every generation who continuously seeks to mitigate and sweeten the Deen, the judgment of Hashem. Both tzaddik and mercy are in the following phrase, which means to sweeten judgments. We know that water is fundamental to all life. Our bodies are mostly water, and the brain and heart in particular are composed of 73% water. The same way that tzaddik sweetens Deen, Water, which is synonymous with life in Torah, has incredible life-giving force and healing abilities. Water represents truth in Torah, as we say, Ein Mayim Ela Torah, which means, the only water is that of Torah. So while the flood wiping out most of the world sounds incredibly negative, what's the positive that we can take from it? We know that it wiped out evil, but what we might not recognize is the level of holiness that it added to the earth. As King Solomon writes in Mishle, when evil is destroyed, there is joy. We see this from the Haftarah reading, which is read after the parasha every Shabbat. The Haftarah refers to the flood as the waters of Noah. Noah in Hebrew means rest, peace, tranquility, and it's the same with the flood. It brought holiness through blessings, since blessings come with peace. Flood, mabul, is similar to the Hebrew word for confusion, bilbul, because confusion in the mind feels like a flood. We need to tap into Amuna, faith, to get closer to clarity and peace. The flood was symbolic of both trouble and tranquility at the same time. While it came through negativity and hardship and destruction, it ultimately raised the earth and humanity. The lesson of Gamzulatova, this too is for your benefit, is seen through this. Hardship is often necessary in order for us to reach a higher place, both spiritually and physically. Many of us, while going through something difficult, personally or speaking with someone who is, say the phrase, it's for the best. But we may not really think about what that means or where it comes from. The origin of this phrase is traceable to Rabbi Nachum Ish Gamzu, who is Rabbi Akiva's teacher. Rabbi Nachum got his name Ish Gamzu because he would often repeat this phrase. Rabbi Akiva learned his emunah from his Rabbi, Rabbi Nachum, and from that he would often repeat his own version of this phrase, which was, all that the merciful one does, he does for the good. The Talmud records stories where the phrase plays out in real life for each of them. With Rabbi Nachman, the story is quite remarkable and miraculous. With Rabi Akiva, the story is something, if we open our own eyes clearly enough, we see similar things, perhaps to smaller degrees, continue to happen to each of us in our own life. Talmud Tani relays this story of Rabbi Nachman's journey to Rome, as he attempted to persuade the Roman emperor to be more kind to the Jews. He thought it best to bring a gift, a precious box filled with gold and diamonds, special for the emperor. On the way, he needed to stay for a night at an inn. Upon waking up the next day, he continued on his journey, not knowing that the innkeeper had stolen the contents of the box and replaced it with sand and soil with similar weight, hoping that the rabbi wouldn't notice. When Rabbi Nachman finally reached Rome, he presented himself and the gift to the emperor. The emperor opened the box and was insulted when he found worthless dirt. Filled with anger, he reasoned that the rabbi's mocking proved that the Jews did not respect the emperor at all. The emperor immediately threw Rav Nachman into prison to await certain death. Raghunachim kept to his faith, awaited the trial, and thought to himself, "Gamzulutova, this is also for the good. At the trial, Eliyahu the prophet appeared as one of the emperor's advisors and said, The Jews would certainly not have dared to mock you, and suggested that perhaps it was not ordinary sand and soil, but something more. Eliyahu relayed the story when Avram the first Jew had gone to battle with kings and threw sand and soil at them, which God turned into arrows and deadly weapons. Avram won the battle so maybe this was the same sort of sand and soil. The emperor had been at war for a long time and unable to defeat his enemies, so the possibility of this sounded more precious to him than even gold and diamonds, which he had in abundance. He immediately ordered that this sand and soil be used, and indeed, the miracle happened, the enemies were defeated. The emperor ecstatically ordered that rab be free, and not only was the petition of the Jews granted, but they were given many gifts. There's a famous story in Talmud Brachad about when Rabbi Akiva went to a town where he camped out in the woods with his donkey, which he used for travel. He also had his rooster that was his alarm clock and one candle he had on him. While he was in the woods, things started to fall apart. A fox ate his rooster, another animal of prey killed his donkey, and a strong wind blew out his candle. Akiva figured this was God's will, yet still each time he said, all that the merciful one does is for the good. In the morning, as Rabbi Akiva arrived in the city that he was traveling to, he learned that a group of vicious robbers had passed through the very forest he slept in and attacked the town that night. Rabbi Akiva then realized the violence that would have befallen him had his rooster crowed, his candle shone, or his donkey made a noise, they would have surely noticed him. We rarely have perspective in the moments of adversity, but faith is a way to rise above until the time that a wider perspective shows us the good. I met a woman by the name Neely Salem, a good friend of mine now, but when she had originally visited LA, it was to spend time with her family. She had always gone back to Israel where she lives, but for the past couple of months, at this point, she was staying in LA. And Naomi Solomon, wife of the famed Yehuda Solomon of both the Moshav Band and the Karlbach Moshav, told Neely, you're going to give a class here in Pico, and I went to the class that week. Neely is a special soul. She brings the amount of enthusiasm one gets when winning a raffle to every moment of her Often beginning or ending it with a song she composed around a biblical theme. One that jumped out at me beyond the thunder and lightning that lit up the Beverly Hills sky, as she talked about nature, the flood, and signs from God, was something she learned from her rabbi, Rabbi Schloss from the Old City of Jerusalem. He said, you can learn everything you need to know about life and solve any problem from just the first four names of the first four parshiot of the Torah. That is, Breshi, in the beginning, Noach, comfort, relax. Lech Lecha, go forth, go to yourself, and Vayera, and you see. When you get hit with hardships that inevitably befall all of us, in the beginning it will be difficult, just like it was for Noah and for Rab Nahum, and for Rabbi Akiva. But when you have time to relax and tap into your muna, the faith, go inward, as we are all created in the image of Hashem, formed as a reflection of Hashem's attributes and characteristics. So the light, the truth, and answers are within all of us, and it is then, that we will see. There is a famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, that reads, In a place where there are no men, strive to be a man. That is what I take away from the lesson of Noah. Whether he was the most righteous in his generation, but would not have been in another generation, or he is the most righteous in any generation, I don't think the distinction is as important as the lesson. From Pirkei Avot we see the importance of rising above your circumstance to act, inspire, and become the most righteous you that you can be. It is that act that we see in this parasha will save you from a flood. Not only you, but the future of the world. Because the world was created just for you.